Well, listen, it is back to school Sunday. Um, I graduated from college and became a teacher right away. Um, I have, in all the things that I have done, I have always been a teacher. Um, my first time teaching in New Life Kids was back when we were Jackson Family Worship Center, and we were um, on Party Alley, and I was 12 years old, and I led the song Big Big House, which I, nowadays I try to figure out what that was really about. I'm not sure we're playing football in heaven, but anyway, um, I led that song in children's church to people who are now in their 30s. Um, so teaching has always been a part of my life. Um, and even in my role as pastor, I can't tear myself away from being a teacher. And so I love back to school in a sense. It's exhausting getting ready for back to school, but there is such an excitement and an anticipation that comes in a new school year. It's the sense of, we don't really know what's going to (laughs) happen. It's also the excitement of growing. Kids grow so much over the summer. When you don't see a kid all summer and they come back, they just look so grown. Whether they've grown an inch or not, you can just see the the life beginning to mature in them. It's such kind of a marker for all of us, that back-to-school season. And for today, I really felt like that God just wanted me to kind of stir us up a little bit and get us kind of excited, not necessarily about school, but just about the journey that we're on in life with him, with our relationship with him. The title of today's message is Keepers, Keepers of the Light. And this is our theme for Glare this year, is that we are keepers of the light. I want to walk you through a couple of verses that were the birthplace for our youth ministry. Here's the thing about youth ministry. It's not just for youth because youth become adults. So it's like children's ministry is not just for children because children become adults. So the foundation that we're building helps prepare them to be the adult that they are. So when Glare started, I was pregnant with Leo. I had just found out, and Jeremy and Haley brought me over and asked me if I would take over our youth ministry. And so we set out to get started, and we um, converted a gas station um, into a youth room. Um, I painted the whole thing pregnant, and I think we're not supposed to do that, but I did it. Um, I painted the whole thing. We painted these giant light bulbs on the wall. We decided we were going to call it glare at that point. But God brought a verse We started Glare on June 17th of 2009. That was the year we kind of shifted and restarted things. And God brought me to a verse in Luke chapter 6, verse 17. It says, talking about Jesus, he went down with them and stood on a level place. He went down and stood with them on a level place. The next couple of verses, a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing from them all. I think over the past 10 plus years that this verse has become more than just kind of the founding verse for our youth ministry. It has become a life verse for me and how I try to interact with each and every person that I meet. 
This is my prayer for our church and for our lives. That in here and in us, people find a level place to meet Jesus. That there's no striving or climbing to get where we are or where they think they should be. But they find a safe and level place to encounter Jesus because it's Jesus who heals us and delivers us. So as we get started today, here's what I want you to know. That no matter how old you are, no matter what grade you're going into, No matter how well your life is put together or how well you have created a picture of your life being put together, or whether you this week are on the hot mess express, it doesn't matter. Because we all roll in in our various stages of life and circumstance and situation and age at a level place. He came down to meet them on a level place. And there he had his disciples, those closest to him, his followers, but also people from all around Judea, Jerusalem, and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And basically that means he came down and his disciples, those followers of him, they were with him. But people from over there and over here and over there all came to him on this level place. And they didn't even know all about him, but they did know if they could just touch him, there was a chance that they could be healed. And I want my life to be a place that is a safe level place that anybody who encounters me or anybody who walks through the doors of this church walks in and does not have to climb up a single step to meet Jesus. That this is a level place for them. Because you have to meet Jesus before he can heal you. Before he can set you free, you have to meet him. And we want to remove the obstacles from people meeting Jesus. Let's let our life be a level place. Aren't you glad he met you? (laughs) I look out here, some of y'all, I know your stories. You don't want me to look at you too hard, right? Y'all know mine. I'm so glad he came down to meet me. And I didn't have to climb up to meet him. Because when you're broken, you can't climb. I'm so glad he came down to meet me where I was. So today we're on a level place. We are all on equal footing at the foot of the cross where Jesus is. The thing is, is that after you meet Jesus, then here's the next verse that's a founding verse for glare, is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, once you've met Jesus, then this becomes the prayer that you would proclaim his praises, that you would see the marvelous light that you have been shown and share it with others, that you'll illuminate the path to the level place for other people. Once you know Jesus, once he heals you, once he makes you his, then all of those things that used to be are no more. And now you 
are healed and whole and made new and you are a part of his chosen people. Now who you were is no longer defined as Jerusalem or Judea or Tyre and Sidon. No matter anymore is defined by where you were or where you came from or who you used to be. Now you are named by the God who created the world. You are his chosen people, his royal priesthood. Know who you are and whose you are and see the marvelous light he's called you into. You don't live in darkness anymore. You live in the light. I want to stir you up a little bit today, not emotionalism and goosebumps because most of you know that's like one of my least favorite things. I want you just to have a passion for the light that's in you. There is a light in you. You. God chose me. Me. An imperfect life. An imperfect person. A child whose family moved all over the place. And he's put me here, and he found a level place for me. Do you know what that level place meant for me? It meant that I didn't have to overcome being a girl to do what God had called me to do. It meant that I didn't have to overcome being from the right place or looking the right way to do what God had called me to do. God brought me in and he brought me to a church that was a level place. And I encountered God there and he healed me. He continues to heal me. He continues to change my life on a daily basis. And then as I was able to encounter him, then he named me his chosen people. And I was in a place that emboldened me enough to say that there is, that is the absolute truth. Bottom of the line, first and foremost, I am chosen by God to do what he has called me to do. And I have a surety in my heart that that is my purpose. And you cannot cause me to question who I am in Jesus Christ. Because I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I have been called to shout the praises of him who did it. Man, that's the light that I know that is in me. And if we could just today... If you could just begin to let that light wake up in you, that excitement of the first day back to school, that excitement of that newness of knowing what God has done for you and where you would be without him. Man, that's a light inside of you. It's something to treasure. Find the light. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light be seen. Let the light be seen before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light. You like your physical person. Y'all ever looked for something in your hand? Your keys. I have looked for my phone while it is in my hand. I have said to my husband with my phone, 
Can you call my phone? I cannot find it. I, some of you, y- y'all know, right? And I, let me tell you something. When I was about 12, there was a, a, a woman in our church who lost things all the time. And I remember laughing so hard the Sunday she couldn't find her keys. And we all were helping her find her keys, but we all knew they were in her hand, but we were still walking around looking for them. Like, oh, my gosh, we should look for those. And we're just looking for them, and they're in her hand, right? And now here I am, and I'm thinking, God bless her. That was so wrong. But I was 12, and I didn't know what it meant to have too many things in my brain to keep up with where the keys were that were in my hand. But listen, we have all looked for something that we have right there. We've looked for shoes that were on our feet. We've looked for things that were in our hand. We've looked for things in the refrigerator that were clearly right in front of our faces. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for the light of God and why do people not know about Jesus, um, you are the light. If you think sharing a sermon clip on Facebook is the light, it's not. It's not bad. And you never know what it could do to somebody and what it could speak to somebody. But the truth of the matter is, you are the light. We can't be looking everywhere else to see where it is. Well, I just wish people knew about Jesus. Turn on your light. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Turn on your light. You are the light of the world. You. It does not say the church is the light of the world. Hear me. This building is not the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We cannot take this building anywhere. The most we can do is put that sticker on the back of your car so people know where you go to church on Sundays. But you are the light of the world. And this is not condemnation. I want you to get excited about this. Listen, you don't have to create a way for people to know Jesus. You are the way people know Jesus. Be excited about that. God, for some reason, saw fit to choose you to put his light in. Oh, my goodness. It seems reckless (laughs) that he would choose me, but he did. You give the light to the ones around you. You know, the thing about light is, is that it's light wherever it is. No matter what the circumstance, light's light. There's light everywhere. It will pop up anywhere. Wherever you are, the light is. Oh, Isn't that special? I look around here and I see all the different jobs that are represented here. We have people who work in factories. We have people who work with patients in the medical field. We have cosmetologists who have people come in and do their hair. We have teachers. We have retail workers. We have so many different types of people here. Look at all the places the light goes. Look at all the places the light goes. And that Lion King, as far as the light goes, that's our land. Guess what? 
there's no place the light doesn't go, which means everywhere the light goes, and that light is you. Now, the thing about a light when we talk about us is a lot of times it's a fire, and today I want to stoke the fire a little bit. Do you know what stoke means? Not like surfer, like I'm stoked. But to stoke something means to add coal or fuel to the fire. Y'all know anybody who stokes things? I call it a spoon. There's some spoons. It's people who like to do nothing but stir things up. You know what I mean? You just want to hand them. Here, here's your spoon. You like to stir up. You just go ahead and get busy, right? But really the same thing can be said about people who stoke. Man, this world will stoke all kinds of fires. It's called clickbait. It'll twist a headline to stoke a fire that doesn't have anything to do with what it makes you angry about. Stoke is whatever you add coal or fuel to a fire, but it also means that you encourage or incite a strong emotion. In Leviticus chapter 6, God is talking to the people about how to do all the things. And he's talking about sacrifice. And he says in verse 13, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. He says that exact phrase three times in only six verses. The fire on the altar must not go out. It must be kept going continuously. Well, see, at that point in time, Jesus was not here. So there was a fire that had to constantly be going for sacrifices to make communion with God. But now there is not a fire, a physical fire, that we have to stoke and keep going. The fire lives inside of us. But the principle is the same. It must be continually burning. It must keep going. In 2 Timothy 1.6, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gifts of God which are in you through the laying on of hands. The fire you fan grows. If you feed it, it grows. I.e., your children. You feed them, they grow. And as you feed them, and as they grow, the more they eat. Right? It's amazing how it works. Right? You start out, you're just barely giving them anything, and they're just growing. Right? And the more they grow, the more they eat. And it just continues to build. And the same is true with the fire of God inside of you. You have to fan it because what you feed grows. And let me tell you something. A lot of us are guilty of fanning and stoking a lot of fires that do not benefit us. I don't have to make eye contact. I'm trying to look at myself. Probably should have a mirror up there on that one. Whoops. Something's going to burn in you. Something's going to ignite you. Will it be God and his purpose, or will it be something else? Something's going to ignite you. Something's going to burn in you. Will it be God and his purpose? There's a fire inside of you. Will you fan the fire of God inside of you? If you are going to be a keeper of the light, you have to continue to stoke and grow that fire. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 Jeremiah says but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name his word is in my heart like a fire a fire shut up in my 
bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Let me tell you, Jeremiah had bad news for the people of God. He didn't want to tell them, and they didn't want to hear it. But the word of God was in him, and it was a fire in his bones. It was too hot for him to control. The energy spent restraining the word of God from coming out of him was overwhelming to him. He could not keep it in. It was bad news, and he could not keep it in. But let me let you in on a little secret. We don't have bad news anymore. See, Jeremiah was dealing with a people that were dealing with the consequences of separation of God from God because of their sin. We have the word of God in us, but we have the benefit of being in a place where there is nothing that separates us from God. He could not hold it in, but we have good news. Mm, You ever had a secret you were just could not wait to tell? Don't don't act coy about this. You know. You ever bought a gift for someone and you were so excited about it you couldn't even wait to give it to them? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you just could not hold it in. That's why you can't tell little kids about parties and surprises. They're not they're not built for it. They can't hold it in, right? Hmm. What if this was like a secret that we just couldn't wait to tell? The perfect gift for the perfect person. And they were just waiting to hear it. And we were weary of trying to hold it in. The good news for us is that Jesus has come to save the lost, to forgive us, to change us, to heal us, to set us free from the weight of sin, to bring peace to our souls and hope to our hearts, and to turn sorrow to joy. The promise of eternal life with him and the promise that until we are forever with him, he is forever with us. This is the good news that should be like fire trapped in our bones. If I am more weary of keeping in bad news than I am of keeping in good news. I've stoked the wrong fire. The fire of God should burn so much in me that it should radiate out of me. I should be burdened by keeping good news in. Don't be that person walking through Walmart yelling the good news of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, if that's how the Lord leads you, fine. Maybe. This is about you being the light everywhere you go. And what you're turning and showing to the people around you. Oh, can we get excited about the fact that there's good news inside of us? Are you a mess up? I am. Did God choose you and forgive you? He did me. It's such good news. I don't have to be fraught with fear. I don't have to be overwhelmed by the weight of this world. Man, this world gets heavy sometimes. But I don't have to be overwhelmed. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is that I have a Savior. And even while I wait for eternity with him, he is with me. That's what makes you glow. It's the good news that makes you glow. Brother Charles, many of you have never been here as early as he would get here. Most Sundays he was here at 730 um, and he would walk around the building 
singing one phrase over and over again. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And he would clap and walk around this building all by himself and sing, praise God, praise God, praise God. Because you see, the goodness of God was like a fire shut up in his bones. It still is. That's why he cares enough to send men. That's why he says to Pastor Jeremy, let the people know I miss them. This is my church. Because there is a fire in him that wants to be here because he wants to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in his life to those around him. And sometimes that looks like a mint. Sometimes it looks like a mint. You ever found a Brother Charles mint in your pocket midway through the week when you were having a bad day and you were salty? I found one one time when I was digging. I couldn't find money, and I was mad that I didn't have any cash because my children took it. But what did I find? A Brother Charles mint that reminded me of what? Praise God. Praise God. The goodness of God lives inside of me, and sometimes that goodness of God tastes like wintergreen freshness on a Wednesday afternoon. It doesn't have to be over the top. It's just you. It's you in your everyday life carrying the good news. Because what you carry comes out. Keepers of the light. Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. That's his words. For they are life to those who find them. Health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. To keep the light, we have to tend it. Tending a fire isn't always about roasting marshmallows or warming ourselves. I, I can't build a fire. Um, but uh, Matthew Varghese can make the world's best fire. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, he finds all the right pieces of wood and stacks them all in the perfect way. And he does this for New Life Kids Camp and for uh, Glare Youth Camp every summer. He makes this perfect fire. And those flames will be shooting. And one time he freaked me out and he jumped over it while it was flaming. It was a whole thing. Um, but he makes this perfect fire. But here's the thing about it. This summer when we were talking about the night of the fire, he needed to know what night we were going to do it. And he had to make sure that his responsibilities were done two hours before we needed it. Because it took time to construct it, to ignite it, and to get it going. You know, for me, I'm, I'm an instant person, right? I want to throw the match and there be fire. And there may be for a second, but it's not going to last. But we needed it to last. And so he shaped it and tended it. And I'd kind of peek out the window and he'd be wandering off in the bushes and finding another piece of wood and sticking it in there and, you know, putting just the right things in there to make this perfect fire. And I knew nothing about how he does it. But I know that tending a fire is more than just reaping the benefits of the fire. 
we have to exist beyond just reaping the benefits of the fire of God inside of us. Do you know if you have a gift, no matter what it is, it's because of the fire of God inside of you and the hand of God inside of you? The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. We reap a lot of benefits from God inside of us. We can't just exist off the benefits. We have to maintain the light. Tending a fire, it's about finding wood, poking and stirring up the embers. It's blowing air into the fading, dimming parts to make sure that the air feeds the fire. It takes time and it takes patience. And you have to guard it and keep it. Somebody has to be tending the fire. One of our people who spoke this this summer, I don't remember who it was, but I have this quote written down. Like the seed on the hard soil, it was received joyfully but then forgotten. Mm. How many of us have received joyfully the healing the freedom, the goodness of God. And then it's been forgotten. How many of us have benefited from the light but not been carriers of the light? How many of us are thankful for the people in our lives who stoke the fire for us but we haven't taken ownership of stoking it ourselves? We are the light. We carry the light. We must tend it. We must care for it. For all you high schoolers and all the rest of us who've forgotten geometry, God can't be like geometry theories that we memorize and then forget when the test is over. Mm. We are all guilty of it, man. When the pressure hits, we turn. And we try to grab a hold of that little fire left in there. Ooh, Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Oh, but let me tell you something. And I know this from seasons in my own life, that when I will do the work to tend the fire, then when things come, they're not such a big deal because my fire is already raging. And there's so much light inside of me that darkness cannot overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. You are the light. Keep your light burning. Keep your light burning. We choose what burns within us. We fuel it and we maintain it. But this needs to be a year that we truly choose to see the light in us. Stoke it, fuel it, grow it, keep it burning. If there's darkness in you today, find the light. If the darkness is feeling big today and overwhelming, find the light. It's in you because he's in you. If there's no passion in you today for the things of God, no matter how amazing somebody preaches, it will not stoke the fire. I could stand up here, any of us, James, Pastor Jeremy, we could preach the most amazing message. Sweat running off our brows. 
people running around the building. Let me tell you something. That's one good gust of wind and one piece of wood on the fire. It will not last you. You have to stoke the fire. If you're lacking passion for the things of God today, it's time to stoke the fire. Man, if you're feeling far from God today, open his word. Don't ask God why he's distant. He's not. You are. This is for all of us today. We have got to start feeding the fire that we want to grow. Young people, I'm telling you right now, if you don't stoke it, it will not burn. Old people, that's all of us over 25. If you don't stoke it, it won't burn. Do not think because you are sure of your salvation that that is the extent of your relationship. I'm going to go to heaven. I don't want to settle for that. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want heaven here. I want heaven in my life. I want the fire of God in me. I want the gifts of God fanned into a flame in me. He's gifted you. He's called you. He's appointed you. From the far corners of the earth, he brought you. He wrote your story. And when you took the pen and wrote your own chapter, he just took the pen back and said, that can come. Let me tell you something. There's no part of your story that has been written that God says it excludes you or ends your story. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. There may be chapters you did not expect to be written, but they are your story and they are God's story. And it does not change the light that is in you. No one can put out your light. Not even you. So stoke it. Let yourself be brought up. For all of us today, we have to embrace keeping the light. We're keepers of it. Entrusted. It's been entrusted to us. So exchange the old fires for a new fire. New wine, new joy, new light. And it's marvelous. I said today I didn't want to stir you up to goosebumps and emotionalism. But today I wanted to enlighten you. I just wanted to breathe a fresh into your fire today. I wanted to 